Hey, Peter. Hey. Let me take you back in time. Okay. Let me take you back 26 years ago. It was like it was yesterday to me. So try. They just reissued the Volkswagen Beetle. Mm. A young Steve Jobs is between jobs. Ooh. And no pun intended. One of the great piano trios of the 1990s is at their peak. Mm. And Keith they're in No. Oh. They're in Paris. Oh, Korea. No. Oh. Any guess? Brad Melba? Yes. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Music advice coming at you. Coming at you today, uh, sponsored by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com to check out Open Studio. That's yes. what we're doing around here. We're talking about jazz piano all the time. That's right. And uh, Open Studio is the place to be. Should we tell them what we were just talking about in the episode that we uh, kept and finishing we're prematurely? Gonna, we're going we're gonna to do that episode. <laughs> we're going to do, is Bill Evans the Larry Bird of jazz? Oh, I'm he's putting it, right it out now. there. It's going to happen. We've tried. We just we tried so three times. Going we could, negative, we could, man. We could, just, we're yeah. not good at it. So I thought we would I have... I like that teaser, though. It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It Caleb, producer Caleb, suggested that we go positive <laughs> and just have a bit of a palate cleanser. Caleb wants us just to finish the something. I think he's hungry. So we can go to lunch. I mean, it is late. I'm hungry, Okay. This is going to be fun. I know. Because what you were describing that time... And where we're going is a place, not so much that I, of course, we all want to go back in time, but it's like sometimes when we talk about, let's go back in time, well, think about some horrible thing that happened when you were a teenager, when you were being bullied and shoved into a trash can I mean, at I, University City High School. Not this, that that happened. This is me. happening in 97, <laughs> so that's right in the prime time for me for that kind of thing. Okay. For sure. Yeah. But this was like, you know, I was in Europe that summer. I know this venue. I've known Brad from before this time. And I mean, I love that Brad, the classic Brad Meldon Trio, which I believe he's out on tour with again. Now I could be wrong on that. You might be wrong. Oh, I might be wrong. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, is, he, Larry Grenadier and Jorge Rossi. Yeah, yeah. Are I they on the so. road? Right I now? thought so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had not heard that. Well we'll, well, well, we'll we'll fact check that as we go. It is, I think, one of the great groups of the 1990s. Yeah, the Brad Meldow trio, specifically with uh, Jorge and Larry, and that's no offense to Jeff Ballard or anybody else yeah. that has played. Shout with, out Jeff. That's also a classic trio. But there's something with the energy when these guys were all super young and really kind of like making some now classic records. You know, all the Live at the Village Vanguards, the Art of the Trio records are have been studied by my generation and I think generations uh, uh, underneath us. So it's kind of cool to go back and see this concert at a venue that I know, Peter, you've played at in yeah. Paris. Parc de Floral. So they have a wonderful... Uh outdoor festival that's been going on for years and i'm trying to remember the last time i did it it was it's been a while but i believe it is at least it was a free festival it's in paris which is paris has one of the best jazz or just live music audiences in the world you know just in terms of and this is very subjective in terms of feedback i've gotten during gigs and clubs the new morning i mean first time i went there was 1991 you were you in diapers then i'm sorry i can't remember no man 91 no i was like 12 years old what are you talking about okay good oh you got a diapers early good yeah. way to go oh, um <laughs> but so that the new morning jazz club with betty carter i'm mean, gonna never forget that 
But the audience has always been sort of the constant, different venues, big venues, small venues, clubs or whatever. I mean, I think the Strasbourg Saint-Denis with, you know, where Hargrove and our, our dear friend Montez Coleman, the vibe, the level that they played there is is a big part of it is that audience interaction, that energy from the audience. And Park, Park Floral is just a special place. It's a special place. Like you, it's just, they're hyped up and in all the right ways. They're outdoors. They're not acting like they're indoors, but they're not like sitting, like looking the other way and eating wine and cheese and you know well it's france of course of you'd course be smart, you'd be smart yeah. to eat some wine and cheese but i mean the, the idea is just that everything kind of comes together so it's a great challenge for a really good group to hit that higher level too since everything else is so i'm excited to see this i've never seen this I, i've never seen this either it, i don't know excited. how i missed it but this was right this would be in the time where i was really discovering brad meldow's music and i saw him live a bunch during this time yeah never in paris unfortunately but now we get this great video and this is the way you look tonight which was from i believe art of the trio volume four a super burning fast version of the way you look tonight i'm, yep. I'm wondering if this is going to be that fast but I did a sneak peek here. There is a classic 90s Brad Meldow intro, solo piano intro on this. And so let's check it out. Okay. I'm sorry. Before we check it out, I did a little, little reconnaissance here. Um, check this. Boom. They're on. So it's with Ballard. Okay. It's with but, Ballard. I mean, look at that. I would be checking that out. For you sure. You can go on here. Look at this. And is there a sound? This is just kind of, you know. What? Look at that. Oh, at the show then. Yeah. Oh, we got to go see him. Yeah. Anyway, go to bradmeldownmusic.com. You can check out this whole schedule. Sweet. Okay, let's check it out. Let's get back in time. Okay. So I feel validated. I think Brad and I are about the same age. I was playing. There's some there's some potato quality uh, YouTube videos of me out there from this time, and I was always very skeptical and self aware and a lot of self deprecation to my long sleeve length on my shirts during that period. Buddy, things were just baggier and boxier. No, but I thought it was due to the short stature that no, I, no, no, no. That I enjoy as a gentleman. How clothes were cut. Look by the way, that. Brad's the same. By the way, this is now back in fashion. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm pulling my stuff it's, out. It's coming, Willie Ware is back, back in the house. I mean, I'm a sucker. Sue me for it. I'm a sucker for the triplets. I'm a sucker for all of it. Yeah, and then some five stuff in there. Brad has such a great, like, kind of understated te technical mastery is the way the best words I can come it's up with It's a rhythmic right now. mastery that is yeah. almost, like, so unique to him. It's very much. And, if I mean, we, people always think about, like, piano technique just being, like, velocity, all these things that you work on for technique. But when you fold that in with the musical stuff, yeah. like, that's real technique. And you know yeah. how much of this shit has been ripped off by people, <laughs> including myself? Yeah. But, like, so many people play like this. But this all... I mean, he didn't invent all this stuff, but it's no. so specific to his sound that it's yeah. like you can't help but be ripping him. And off. there's some like like there's a way that he plays it that makes it seem accessible as a if you're a pianist. Yeah, it's not necessary. It's no. very refined and difficult to do, but it, it it kind of comes out of that tradition of making something look easy. It's because it's so free and relaxed with it. Exactly. Yeah.
unisons going on in there. things the yeah. transition yeah, yeah. of course the beautiful solo piano and and look the only knock i can hear people saying is like that's just that's just keith jarrett that's keith jarrett trio that's, that's gary peacock and jack dejanette coming in but what would you say to that my friend it's not <laughs> but it's just not no it's yeah. influenced by that of but, course yeah of course but uh, as anybody would be by keith jarrett but it's it's its own thing it's, it's its, its own, own like that's why the is the keith jarrett thing like if you imitate you know hank jones or the Winton Kelly trio from the sixties or something like there's not as much pushback for some reason, the Keith Jarrett thing, if you're referencing that or using that as an influence, like there's some kind of like, that's a little bit of a third rail. Well, like don't do, Oh no, Keith is his own thing. For you know? some reason, there are some people that think that, that some artists created music in a vacuum and other artists are just ripping off those artists right. who created music in a vacuum. But as we've heard, I was about to say. Keith Jarrett wasn't in a vacuum. Coming yeah. soon to an episode near yeah, you. Yeah, there we we uh with our help help of our dear friend Aaron Parks has right. that name discovered of that episode is gonna be Keith Jarrett, original genius or plagiarist. Well no there's a there is there are some musicians where you can like oh there's Keith Jarrett. Like right. you can hear his influences. So yeah. no one grew up in a vacuum. No, no. one learned music in a vacuum. So to I don't I don't know. I don't think of this as Keith Jarrett-esque even. Well, that did come to my mind, but only in the, the happiest of ways. And I think just in terms of like a lot of the more obvious things are not as interesting to me as like piano trio. It's kind of like saying um, like what is this combination, like a big band, right, in jazz or a string quartet in classical music um, or whatever. Like, like what are you going to do with this iconic combination of instruments you know who not who you're going to reference but like how are you going to place yourself into something that already works really well you're playing you know this great jerome kern standard like 
the to me it was, it was about the intro you know what i'm saying like all that stuff that he played like what a cool thing then to go in and i love that transition yeah the way that it went in there like all these little touch points of that you know did keith jarrett do that did red garland trio i don't care i don't know i'm just happy yeah. i'm enjoying what's going on now and this is obviously so the intro and the transition and then even the first few phrases of the solo here are almost exactly like the record are almost ah, like the record. okay yeah. Yeah, so talking about Brad Meldow's record. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Of of the way that you look tonight. Nice. Let's see how it turns out. That left hand hovering, ready to count. We are allowed to not play with our left hand sometimes. Okay, this would be a good, good little pullout section for folks to yeah. analyze. Can we get some Max Gamis trying to Yeah. Something like that. But the precision. Whoa. So he's going up this sort of like F minor triad plus one. Like that kind of thing. But that last part, like sometimes you could break this stuff down and then be like, oh, that's just, you know, jazz arpeggios or whatever you want to call it. But the placement of it with that like kind of extended, like it's once you start that kind of thing, yeah. you better know not how you're going to finish it, but you better be well, open to like thinking on the on the fly as you come through because where you end and how you and, end and the rhythmic precision is and all. And very few people can rip it that clean. Exactly. That's pretty clean. What's, what's he played before? That space. And he kind of got caught up in the middle. Yeah. With like, I know that with that feeling that he had it perfectly made into something different. Larry, Greg Grenadier, such an amazing bassist, able to really follow Brad forever. say like one thing and this is more just sort of like pitfalls and potential um, beautiful things that can come out of like checking something like this out and with the historical context of so many 
pianists and trios imitating kind of this way of playing like don't lose the groove element yeah you know like because like, it's kind of like all the, the the fancy lights flashing on and off and all the cool stuff they're doing in terms of interaction and coming in unexpected places like that's all great and cool stuff you can learn i mean you're not gonna learn how to do all that but you can start to take some of those things but I don't think it's as useful if you only take those and don't have the foundation of just being able to swing through this tune. Yeah. Which they did on the head and they've done different times, but like you have to have that foundation because then this can all float on top of that without it just becoming like a little bit of a random nebulous mess. And a lot of people I hear imitating this way. It's not as go, Well, at least they go in and out of that sometimes. But the, I mean, I think the strongest thing about this trio specifically, all of Brad's bands, but this trio specifically at this time was they really had a sense of their own sense of groove. Like mm-hmm. they had an identity. A confidence in a it. A confidence yeah. of their own sound and their own groove yeah. that is just very specific and at this point I think kind of iconic. Like if you were, were to recreate this, people would be like, oh, it's like the Brad Meldow tree in the 90s. Like right. it sounds like their own sound. And it is an interesting thing to think about like, okay, it's cool to take some of this and, and try to play like this. Um, but that can be frustrating too, because it can be like, oh, I can't do it, you know, or like at best, you're going to be a little bit of a mockery of that. Yeah. But what we can take is what you're talking about, that confidence and that of the personality of the groove, not of like, is it grooving hard enough or am I the hardest grooving? No, no, no. It's like, where, where's that commonality? Where's the Venn diagram of of the way Jorge and, um, well, all three of them, really. I, sh- I shouldn't say just bass and drums, but when you think about the rhythm section, like how they're feeling that groove. What is the passing the baton back and forth, but knowing that that, that that groove essence is already there, and then how can you dance on top of that? Yeah, exactly. And so that can be done in a lot of different ways, and you look at a lot, of, especially trios, when you've got this beautiful kind of like three-way conversation, the potential for that just with the, 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 the instrumentation of it, like that's a great space to come in and be influenced and inspired by, I would yeah. say. It's and you don't have to put on a ni- an early '90s shirt. No, and during this time, you know, this trio was getting compared a lot to the Bill Evans trio, and I know Brad hated that. Like, actually, wrote on liner notes that he why Third Bill Evans? I don't know like Christian McCaffrey of <laughs> Crispus Crispin. Right. Okay. Crispin. Crispin. That is a very that kind of thing. Just yeah, yeah. sort of shape. It's not exactly what he played, but that's a very Brad Melvin. Yeah, and this kind of like I love. It wasn't like obviously they've been hinting at the double time and some you know going in and out of it. Brad uh, probably well he didn't do the first. Jorge probably hinted at it the first, but like that flexibility of being like it's like you're interjecting a little something in the conversation. A lot of times, especially young players, I hear like how do I know when to go into double time? How do I, you know, it's like, no, there should never be, like, can you tell me when they went into double time? No. Is it when the last, I mean, sometimes it's like when the bass player is actually walking, but he had been hinting and going in and out of it. It's like, that's the fun of it. It's masterful. Down, half step up, hold on down. 
Is that what's going on? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all that is. Oh, maybe fourth. It might be fourth or yeah. fifth, yeah. Yeah, it's fourth. Perfect cadences. solo from larry here coming up great but, way to uh end. man how great is that very great that's very great so you could see why uh he was a phenomenon absolutely and this Lots of bill evans uh influence for sure <laughs> brad you can write to pm at... just kidding that was good yeah yeah i mean it was so fun because it takes me back to that venue to that time um you know to that sound um, and, and just one little last note that I'll that I would add to that little kind of insider piano stuff. That piano was out of tune. Jack leg. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like probably a killer piano. The way he was playing it made me think. I mean, yeah. and I remember from that venue they get good pianos. Yeah, there. it's a big old Steinway. And it wasn't totally out of tune, but it had some. But I mean, that didn't rattle him at all. I don't think. Yeah. Not seemingly so. Yeah. That's it's a that's a really cool resource. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch that whole concert. There, there you go. Till next time, you'll hear it. Mm -hmm.